Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. talk about altars and um, uh, man we had a great message this morning Um, the altar was mentioned when Noah finally landed I think when he you know Noah's ark and been floating around for a long time so when they landed on earth on the ground build an altar said God thank you Um, Noah Abraham Abraham I talked about Abraham this morning and Abraham, chapter, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, he's called out of his father's land. He's called out of his father's uh, idolatrous lifestyle. And he's on a journey now. Basically, it's the same as us. When we're saved, we leave maybe some of the entrapment of our, of our lifestyle that maybe harks back to even generations. And so Abraham's a classic uh, depiction. He's the father of faith. He's the a father Abraham has many sons, we're his sons and daughters. And he leaves and he gets to, because God says, I have a place for you to live. I have a place for you to live. Would you leave that place of uncertainty, that place of doubt, that place of not acknowledging me? Would you accept me as your Lord and let me lead you on? And Abraham says, I will. And he takes his family and all and Lot follows him and off they go and they reach a place. But then it says in the the text, it says, Abraham says, but there were Canaanites in the land, meaning that there were these Canaanites, they're basically uh, very corrupt. Um, They're into witchcraft. I guess you could could say that they're Satanists. and uh, very evil culture, the Canaanites. And Abraham says, man, I, I, I thought, man, I come to this place, God, this place, and you've got Canaanites surrounding me. You've got these problems. I thought when I got saved that I would come out into this vast place, this place of milk and honey, and oh, everything's going to be sweet and wonderful. And um, no, it's not like that on planet Earth, folks. So, sorry to say, even though you got saved, but... Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's good news. That's good news. So Abraham says, oh my goodness. So on, God speaks to him and says, I want to give you this land. Even though there's Canaanites in it, I'm going to still give you this land. And there Abraham makes an altar. And he says, thank goodness for that. Look, I'm in this. I know you can do it. I'm strung out here. I've left. I'm on a journey. He makes an altar. Altars are made of hard things. So usually rocks. Rocks, they're made out of rocks. And um, he makes this altar. He says, God, yes. And then it says he makes another altar. Uh, when, when, again, God speaks to him. He says, God spoke to me. And, and, and God spoke his covenant. Yes, I do want to give you this land. Basically, I am going to be with you, C3 Tagra. I'm going to give you your best life. He makes another altar. Altars are a place of remembrance. It's like you build a little altar and and, and you go, that is when God spoke to me. That is when 
I, I, I memorialized that event when God spoke to me, when I encountered God, when I went to the altar, when I, when, when I, when I asked for forgiveness and he forgave me. That couldn't be an altar. But the ultimate, we still have physical altars. The, 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 the altars were done, done, basically done away with by Jesus coming and finally sacrificing himself on the altar and doing away with the, all the Old Testament altar, the slaughtering of animals and, and stuff. Jesus died on the cross and imputed to us righteousness. He's given us purpose. Don't you love it? Don't you live in loving your You're here tonight and you're in God's will. You're not watching TV. You're not stuck somewhere where you're just goofing off. You're in the house of God. You're in the presence of the living God. You, you are absolutely blessed right now to be in the house of God. Absolutely blessed. I don't feel blessed. I'm telling you, you are blessed. If Jesus come back right now, you are in a good position. I'm in church. Thank you, Lord. I'm not watching the big flat. I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm not watching, you know, I'm not stuck in cyberspace. I'm not, I'm, I'm in the presence, listening to anointed preaching. I'm being inspired to believe in God. This is a good, this is a good, this is a good moment. You can build an altar. The altar, but is that you have and I have, because we are temples now. The Bible says in Corinthians, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are living stones built together, offering spiritual sacrifices to God. That's what we did through the worship and the praise tonight. We said, Jesus, you are Lord. We declare it unto our own lives, but to this region and beyond. Well done, priests. Well done, people of God. You have announced, declared Jesus as Lord of the planet, but of this region. And you did that, and you're allowed to do that because you're a priest. In fact, the Bible says you can stand between God and humanity and worship and pray and intercede and cause good things to happen. Do you know how much, man, you know you're storing up so much riches in doing that? You're storing up so much favor in God. God's all over you. God's for you. He's with you. If you are in church praying, giving to the house, giving to the cause of Christ, can I tell you this? He is for you. Now, Abraham, he got himself into this place. He knew Canaanites were around him. He was a bit freaked out. He'd made a covenant. God, I'm believing you. I'm trusting you. But things went a bit flat. He wasn't maybe hearing God and there was no little events in his life. And, and then, then there was a famine. The Bible says there was a famine. And, and he took it in his own hands to deal with that. We do that sometimes as people, don't we? We deal with the situation, well, God, yeah, I'm out here, I'm born again, I'm going to church, but you know what, maybe I need to have Sunday off and do some extra hours to pay that bill to whatever, to whatever, you know, and that's what Abraham did. Abraham said, you know what, it's a famine, I've got to feed my family. This is a worthy, this is a good decision. I've got to, you know, God's too busy, he's looking after, you know, big affairs, nations and the U.S. election, and he's worried about that stuff. And Abraham, Bible says, he goes to Egypt. Now, Egypt means he goes back to, he goes back to, I guess, the opposition. Goes back into the enemy's camp. He goes back to where Egypt is. It's all 
yeah, he, he can survive there and he can be, he, he can be fed there. But, but God said, did I tell you to do that? So now he's in Egypt and he does some, you know, he does some silly stuff, Abraham. You know, who knows Abraham wasn't perfect? Abraham's just like us. And, and, and God, God says, I didn't tell you to do that, Abraham. You should have stayed with the plan. You should have stayed in that place. And everyone's, everyone wants to be in the right place. Are you, are you like me? Do you want to be in the right place? Do you want to be in the right place of life? Do you want to find your groove? Do you want to find your groove in God on living on planet Earth? You don't want to be on the outer. You don't want to be on the outer. You want to be in the groove. You want to be in the fast lane. And you, you, you want to be producing. You want to be effective. You want to be influential. You really want to matter. Who's a bit like that? It's a cry of everyone's heart. But here's Abraham. He's in Egypt. And God blesses him. Of course he does. He blesses him in Egypt. But then he realizes, oh my God, no, I shouldn't be here. I've got to go back to that altar where I originally made that decision that I believed in God, trusted in God. And the Bible says he went back to the original altar and he said, God, you are God. I trust you. I believe you. Then Lot, he, there's a contention and he says to Lot, his nephew, Lot, you take all this land if you want it. You take it. It's cool, you know. I thought God had given it to me, and but you take it, and so he did. And he, he must have thought he'd given it all away. But God came to him and said, "Abraham, I'm still going to give you that land, although you think that you've had stuff stolen from you and stuff, you know, taken off you, and it's irrevocable, it's irreplaceable." But God said to Abraham. I'm going to still give you this land. Lift your eyes up and look north, south, east, and west. That's all your son. That's all your C3 Tugger. He can, he can redeem. He can repay for what the locusts have eaten, it says in Joel. All that stuff you've lost in your marriage, all that stuff you lost in life, in your career, all that God says, hang on, hang on, son. The promise still stays. I'm going to give you your best life. I'm going to give you what you need in your life. And so in that moment, again, Abraham builds an altar. He builds an altar and he says, thank you, God. You are my Lord. So this, this altar thing is, is amazing. Uh, Abraham, Isaac. Uh, Isaac builds an altar. There's only two chapters uh, there about um, Isaac, but he redigs his father's wells and, and then he gets to a place where God speaks to him. And then the Bible says, he builds an altar, pitches a tent, and digs a well. There's a message in that. Rachel, where's Rachel? That's what, that's what, yeah, Abraham, Isaac, that's what Isaac did. He, 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 he built an altar. Yeah, again, rocks, rocks, God, you're God. Oh, God, thank you, God, for my father, Abraham. Thank you that you've met my need. Thank you that you're going to bless us. Thank you, thank you. He's had a full-blown encounter with God. God speaks to him. God reiterates the covenant with him, audibly speaks to Jacob. And Jacob goes, that's a worthy moment. That's an altar right there. Pitches a tent, digs a well. That's another message. That's a, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, uh, he's, he's on the run and... Then he he's found himself on this mountain, and then he he's just depressed. He needs to go to sleep. He finds a rock, 
I've never done this, but he finds a rock and he sleeps on the rock. He has this mad dream about, and God speaks to him through the dream. And it's basically the blueprints for the church. This will be none other than the house of God. How awesome is this house? There's a ladder from earth to heaven. He sees God. He sees Christ himself standing on the sapphire sill of heaven, looking down. And, and angels ascending and descending in this certain place, this certain place. And then he says, this is none other than the house of God. How awesome is this house? This is a gateway unto heaven. This is a gateway C3, this church is a gateway for miracles if we believe this stuff. If we stoke the fire on the altar. So what does Jacob do? He builds an altar. He says, my God, that's, my mind's blown. He finds that pillow, that rock. He pours oil on it. It says a pillow, an altar. And, 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 and then he de declares, I will give you a tenth. I will give you what, you know, what... What you, what you deserve, and, and I will give that, if you will be with me for all my days. He makes a vow, he makes a covenant with God. There's another altar. There's another altar I'll talk about in a moment, and that, that is wild, that is wild. We might talk about that. So... Um, during King David's reign, the tabernacle, the movable tent that was, that Moses had made, was erected in the high place, Gibeon. The tabernacle represented the presence of God among the people. We need that. Don't, don't we need that? Did you feel that in the worship, the presence of God? The story was that at one particular time when David sinned, he needed more immediate and a convenient altar. So God sent him to a guy named Onan and told David to build on Onan's threshing floor, 1 Chronicles 21, 26 says, and David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called on the Lord. And he answered him from heaven by fire on the altar of burnt offerings. That can actually happen. It happened in the temple. The fire fell on the sacrifice. When you gave your life to the Lord, the fire fell in, in this, the Holy Spirit. When you gave your life to the Lord, your altar that had basically other things, idolatry, whatever on it, because you threw yourself on the altar and said, Jesus is Lord, the fire of God came upon the altar of your heart and now you should have a fire in your heart. You should be a burning one. You should be burning for Jesus. And every time you worship, it stokes the fire on your heart. Every time you give unto the Lord, it stokes the fire in your heart. Is this getting someone? Every time you serve God, it, it, it stokes the fire. You can just have burning embers. You can just have burning embers in your heart. But some people have got a raging fire. You've seen them. We go see conferences and, and they're, 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 there's wild people strung out in God, totally anointed by God. And you can tell, I saw one man come into this uh, leadership meeting, Tommy Teeny, had a book called uh, God Chases. It's uh, quite old, now 20 years old, but this was a very serious man of God. And he walked into this meeting, at Mona Vale it was, and there was about 30 ministers there, and uh, he walked in, and I'm telling you what, he was like Moses. The Shekinah glory was on his face. I've never seen anyone who looked like they had been visibly, who tangibly, manifestly looked like they had been with God. The glory was on him. 
He understood altars. He understood altars. You can have a, a burning inferno in your heart or you can just have a little pilot light. My caravan fridge has a little pilot light. And until I let the gas in, and then the fridge comes alive and we can put food in it and it's great. This altar here can just have a little pilot light. This altar right here at C3 Tugra, if we neglect prayer, if we neglect praying in particular and worshipping with our heart and soul, with John chapter 4 says, God is looking for those who worship in spirit and truth. I'm telling you what, I think we've got enough of this here to allow this altar I want to perform CPR on this altar again. I want to, because in the old days, this altar was always jacked up with energy of heaven. People coming, dropping to their knees, getting saved. People coming and encountering the living God. People coming and just standing here. I mean, just worshiping God, just under the anointing. The altar is symbolic, I know, because the real altar is in your heart. But when I came to the, when I was on the altar waiting for Julie to walk to the altar, that altar was real. And when people come here to this altar at church, it's real. But there's things, see, so, so, some people don't want to come to the altar. I don't know why. Maybe they're not feeling the value, and that's what I want to change in the month of November. Is that cool? I want to change, I want to, I want to change your mindset. A preacher's job is to change the mindset of every carnal thought, vain imagination, every single thing that's built up against the knowledge of our God, Christ Jesus. We need to deal with that, pull that down, see God, see those thoughts taken captive, and then loosed into a full-blown revelation of what church really is. Amen? Church is a place where you can come to the altar. Looks like a piece of carpet to me. I don't know what you're talking about. I've seen plenty of carpet. I'm telling you now, this altar is, is got full. It's got potential to heal you, bless you, to anoint you, to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, to rearrange you, to consecrate you, if you so wish, if you want that much of God, if you're willing to allow God to deal with you, to alter you on the altar, where'd you go last night? You look changed, you look different. I went to see three Tugra. I went to their altar and I got altered. Wow. Yeah, you look different. You got a spark in your eye. You, you look like that depression has been cast aside. You, you got a you got a little bit of a flame in your, in your, in your eye there because you went to the altar. I got an agenda tonight. You see, my body is now the temple. 1 Corinthians 16 verse, uh, 6 verse 19 says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So, okay, Old Testament, temple. Um, okay, oh, I've got so much to say on this subject. Old Testament, Old Testament, there was 
a full-blown temple. Levitical priests, you would go there every year with your lamb, uh, spotless lamb, you'd give it to the priest, you'd give it to him, slit, slit its throat, pour its blood out, rip its guts out, sorry, uh, but that's the truth. And, and, and it was slaughtered. That was the sacrifice. Then, then that lamb was burnt and, 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 and a fire came down and it was burnt. And, but that's all being dealt with. That, that, that sort of sacrifice. But, but that was the temple and that was the, where the Levitical priests served and, and there was very strong worship. There was a real strong deliberation from the priests, from the people of God to do business with God. That was the temple. Now, hang on. Back in Jesus' day, there was the synagogue and that was a much lighter version of church. That was more of a social gathering. And certain people could even get up and, and read a scripture. And it didn't have this strong hierarchy of priesthood at the front of it. In, in fact, it, it was about gathering together, being very sociable, feeding the poor, looking after the, the people that had needs. And they would, you know, they, they would debate things. And deba- you know, you could debate. That's where Paul says, hey, keep the debating to, you know, keep it to, you know, keep it sensible. And, and so it was a social gathering the synagogue. But the, the temple, there was no talking out of turn. The, the, you came there, it was very serious business of dealing with the priests and dealing with God through the priests. So I, I think we need to have a balance. Yeah. I think we need to have a balance. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Bath we just don't want to get all social and happy clappy and hey, we don't want to get too serious. Look, we're just friendly. We just love God. Yeah, take it easy. Come on. Yeah, chill out. No, we need to do business. You know, when that lady stood with me yesterday with no hair, and I know, know her, she's, she was a beautiful woman. Now she's got cancer and she's got no hair, and, you know, and she looked terrible. She didn't need a happy, clappy person. She needed someone who had been to the altar and had the fire burning on the altar. And my immediate response, let me pray for you. And I started to pray for her, and her husband was, was and he was standing over here, so, so so glad that that Phil's praying for her. And she started offload to me and tell me the woes of having cancer, and uh, you 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 got to have the fire burning when when someone you got to have you got to you got to have done dealt with God. You got to be consecrated. You got to have the Holy Spirit in you to be able to minister to someone like that. That's why we have the altar. Keep the Leviticus. It says, keep the fire burning on the altar of your heart. Keep the fire burning. How? By sacrificing yourself on the altar. As you sacrifice yourself and say, God, here's me. Here's all my stuff, my rubbish. But hey, here's my life. Here's my good stuff too. I'm willing to represent it again, Lord, if it needs to be fine-tuned. You know, whatever. All my aspirations, all my goals, all my... Who I am, what I am. I give you, and the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, can I have that scripture Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, man. Therefore, Paul says in the New Testament, he says, now hang on, you don't get out of it that lightly. Jesus paid this magnificent price on the altar. He is the altar of all times, what he did, and we, we subscribe to that totally. But you, my friend, born-again Christian, 
Paul says, the Apostle Paul says in this scripture, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Now, here's a test. Are the mercies new every morning? You know, by the end of the day, you, you use up all your mercy, right? You, you've used up your, you know, oh, God's very merciful, but I'm sure by the end of the day, you've used it all up. That's why it says, His mercies are new every morning. Boom, there's new mercies. Why? You need mercy so that to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. So it's our whole life. It's not mental ascension. The Christian life is not a philosophy. The Christian life is, I know Jesus. I choose to believe it. There's far, you know, there's secular people believe that Jesus Christ walked the earth, performed miracles, died on the cross. Even sec- and they haven't given their life to the Lord. I mean, it's easy to have mental ascension, we call it, to God and treat it as a philosophy. Just treat it as a belief system. I believe Jesus, Lord. I give up. Yeah, I want heaven. I want him to be on my side. I'll have that. But that's, that's not going to cut it. Romans 12.1 says it again. Can I have that scripture? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, we don't want to cheap, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to treat God's mercy in a, in a frivolous, cheap manner. I'm giving you mercy to be saved. Every morning, I'm giving you fresh new mercy. What are you going to do about that? Man, I'm going, to try and, I'm going to try and throw some more of my life on that altar. That stuff I'm doing here, that stuff there that you don't like, that stuff that's a little bit compromised, that stuff I've got here, there. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to throw it all in. I'm going to throw it all in. I'm going to become a living, fall flat on my face. That would be dramatic, wouldn't it? Sorry, I can't do it. But give it a go. Katrina says, okay, here we go. Boom, smack. A living sacrifice. Holy. You shouldn't say things like that. Holy and pleasing to God. You shouldn't G boys up. Boys will do it, you know. A younger man would have done it. Lucky I'm a little bit more sensible than a younger man. It is my responsibility to build an altar to the Lord in my heart, maintain it and visit it frequently. I take my sin, faults and failings to God at this altar and offer them as I would burnt offerings, letting God's fire consume them and reproof them. I take my confidences, joys, praise as peace offerings willingly sharing them with my master and continually submitting them to him. I call on the Lord at my altar, discussing my requests and desires with him and seeking his face concerning them. Finally, it is the altar where God answers from heaven by fire. Since my body is the temple I can never leave my altar. As I maintain altar consciousness and listen to God's voice, I will hear him speak through his word, through other Christian brothers even, and sisters, and even though observations, even observations of nature, which after all is the work of his hands. 
Consider these two verses, 2 Corinthians 6, 16. For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. 1 Peter 2, 5 says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's what you did tonight, friends, when you stepped up and worshipped tonight. That song is magnificent. That's a world-class song. That's a good song. It, it's got great lyrics. It's structured well. That's top, top shelf stuff. Can I encourage you to be altar conscience, conscious? If you're just starting out, build your heart's altar to the Lord by making a determination to spend time daily with the Lord. Two, you may have to repair your neglected altar. That's all right. You can do it. You can do it. Take up where you've left off. Take up. Just do it. Three, if you've already spent regular times, well, keep it up. Whatever the case, it's a joy to know God, eagerly desiring to spend time with Him. An altar usually represents a person's desire to consecrate himself fully to the Lord. God has worked in a person's life in such a way that the person desired to create something tangible to memorize it, to memorialize it. During times of Israel's rebellion, idolatry, the Lord's altars fell into disrepair. This is it. I'm nearly done. This is it. This is all I'm going to be able to share with you tonight. I've got so much. I'm going to share something powerful next Sunday, 8 a.m. I'm going to build on this because what I want, this is what I want. I've got an agenda. I want this altar to burn again. And I want people to be attracted to this altar, knowing that God can brilliantly deal with them, bless them, anoint them, transform them, whatever needs to happen on this altar. In the old days, those photos, I need to have those going up shortly, and I think that will help me build a case. During times of Israel's rebellion and idolatry, the Lord's altars fell into disrepair. The prophet Elijah, confronting the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, says in Kings 1 Kings 18.30, that he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah's restoration of the altar was significant, given, given, it was significant, given the paganism of this day. Also, in spite of the fact that he was living in a divided kingdom, Israel was not united. It was divided. Twelve tribes divided. The prophet symbolized the unity of God's people in his construction. Sorry, guys, I'm going to need that scripture. 1 Kings 18, 31, 32. Elijah took 12 stones. 12 stones represents the 12 tribes. One for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. Your name shall be the church of Jesus Christ. Your name shall be C3 Tugra. Your name shall be the people of God. It was on this rebuilt altar that God rained down fire. You into this stuff? Have you seen altars burning? 
Have you ever seen altars burning ablaze with people coming and just getting totaled by God, encountering God, blessed by God, overhauled by God? I said this morning in the early days in Cutler Drive Primary School, we had, I hadn't finished preaching. A lady came out of her seat and just hit the deck on her knees. Boom. And I said, well, looks like the altar's open. Who else wants Jesus? She's crying on the altar. I've seen another drug addict lady came in through the back door. We were just about to get the uh, guest speaker up. He was a, um, a baptized, he was a Salvation Army uh, officer who had encountered God so severely that he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and he was getting around to the, the Spirit-filled churches. And from Mount Annan, we, got, uh, we were asked, did you want him one Sunday? Yeah, we'll take him. What a great testimony. Living a very sensible life, just serving you know, the community, and bang, he gets the Holy Ghost. And he was never a preacher, but now he's a preacher. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He turns up, he's sitting on the front row. I'm just about to invite this guy up. I don't know if you remember, Andrew. I'm just about to invite, he's still got his Salvation Army uniform on. Um, we've just had this one-hour service, full tilt, one-hour service, probably longer, in fact. And I'm just about to invite this man of God up. And uh, in comes the back doors, bang, the back doors open, and uh, it's this lady, it's the local drug addict who's strung out on drugs. She scratched herself all down her arms, down her face, and she comes screaming down where? Does she go to the cloakroom? Does she go to this chair? There? No, she comes to the altar. And she's unchurched, unsaved. But she comes to the altar, falls, writhing, sweating, and, and convulsing. And the Salvation Army officer pulls back. He, he, my God, I knew these people were wild lot not our church but the Pentecostal church at large and, and I could feel him the poor guy he was so discomforted by it I said it's alright I'll deal with it and he went thank goodness I said I'm not ready to speak with that happening <laughs> you know so we, we started to pray and of course what does any Holy Ghost Spirit filled born again church do we started to pray those devils out of her because the Bible says we can lay hands on the sick and they'll be made well we took God's word for what it was in those days. We had the fire burning in us. We'd been to the altar. We were fully ablaze for God. We're like burning people for God. People say, oh, don't go to that church. They're burning. They climb the walls. They're, they're, just, they're just full tilt, boogie in God. They're just, they're just mad. They're, they're crazy. But people used to come just to spy us out and get blessed. And Sydney, Newcastle, we had a guy traveling from Lithgow. Every weekend, he would come seven, seven hours it'd take him to get here. For, for several years, eight years. Yeah, I was going to mention his name, but um, he used to come drive his youth. He was a painter, and he was a burnout pastor. And he said, when I came to Crossroads, God, I encountered God. An altar moment happened to me. I got altered, and I'm going to keep coming back. And, and while that's still happening, I'm going to, do you remember Pauline? I'm going to keep coming back. BH, that's his name. Yeah, we know who he is. B-E, B-E, yeah. yeah. So we, we're praying, praying for this lady. She's writhing and shaking. And when Jesus, we bless this woman. We cast out those devils of addiction. Took her into the back room eventually. We wouldn't do that now. Took her into the back room, praying for her. Then we invited him up. Now you can come. Julie, <laughs> deal with that, did I? Your name shall be Israel. It was on this rebuilt altar that God rained down fire and put the Baal worshippers to shame. 
put the bar worshippers, put the demons to shame. One thing I, I know this, our church had one of the most strongest altars I know. We were visiting a lot of churches, but Crossroads altar. We'd preach, then open it up. Who, want, who wants a touch of God? People would come. Bang, they would encounter the full, full force of God's anointing. Down they would go. The altar would be filled with people, blessed of God, being rearranged on the altar, being altered, being transformed, changed. Because they were devoting their life, giving their, consecrating their life on the altar, saying, God, I want you. I want more of you. I give you my whole life. I give you everything I am. In fact, I'm willing to succumb to you. And people would just fall out under the anointing. That's what happens when you fall out under the anointing. You just succumb. It's a beautiful feeling. It's, it's happened to me dozens, dozens, anywhere, lots of places. But if I feel God on me, I'm totally okay to go, God, have me. Oh, you land on the altar. You're in the presence of God. Lord, I give you my all. Romans 12, 1, I'm a living sacrifice unto you. Your mercies are new. I feel your mercy upon my life. I feel your mercy. I give you all my life. Lord, I give you my whole life. And you know what he gives you? Holy Ghost. He gives you consecration. He gives you clarity for purpose. He gives you purpose for living. He puts in you this inner fortitude to, to be the born again believers that you need to be. He gives you this courage on the inside to step up and be the body of Christ in this hour. In the Holy Ghost. hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.